Chester. Ken loves talking about cars and automotive trends. And here he is, the automotive host with the most, Ken Chester. Welcome to Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. So glad you are able to join us. This hour, it's all about traffic and artificial intelligence. For better or for worse, we investigate. More women are needed in the automotive sector. We talk about where and how many. We'll wrap up this hour with a look at how technologies are being developed to keep pedestrians safe. All that packed into one hour. You're not going to want to miss a single moment. But first, if this is your first time within the sound of my voice and you want to connect with the show, you can call or text me on the Roadworthy Drive line. That number, 872-222-9793. And that's good anytime. If email is your thing, my address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way, we'll connect you with me and the rest of the Roadworthy Drive crew. Speaking of the usual suspects. Really? Yes. Let me introduce the other members of the crew. You know him, you love him, my friend, the man at the controls, the executive producer, the man with the snark in his mouth. Jack, hey. Um... Holding things down at mic two is our friendly and outgoing gamer girl and research maven extraordinaire, Lady Sasha. Howdy, my peoples. Hello. Hello. Jack, are you feeling any better? Is that water helping? That water is really helping. However, I think I have the summer cold. Oh. That's not good. No, and with all the rain we've had in the last couple of weeks, plus the humidity, plus my wife having an asthma attack on Monday. Yikes. Um, not so good over your place. Pretty much, pretty much. I think she's giving me whatever she's got. Long as it's not catchy, you know, across the studio. I can't promise that. Oh my! Do I need to wear a mask? Probably. That's why I showed up today in my hazmat suit. I noticed that. Very yeah. stylish in orange. Yeah. I didn't know they made it in orange. Well, mine is actually special ordered uh, with the purple Sasha across the back. I got that. It yeah. kind kind of lively there. Thank you. Was wondering if you could tone them colors down just a bit. No. I didn't realize I was going to need sunglasses today. I know that's right. Well, okay, Ken, what's in the parts bin this uh, week? Two words. Okay. Uh, and I was thinking about Sasha when, when I came up with this. Uh-huh. Uh, Faraday Future. You remember them? Heard, heard of them. Yes. We thought they were down and out. Right. Um, they talked about this mysterious $2 billion investment, but a lot of people thought that was smoke and mirrors. Guess what? It wasn't. Okay. Real money. They actually commenced work. Um, on site in Hannaford, California, to actually get their plant built. It's a real thing. It's happening. They've got a commercial builder, and he's the general contractor, and they're putting in a 1 million square foot factory in Hanford, California, on the site of that old tire plant. So now they're going to actually build the car. Uh, well, we know the plant's getting built. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just saying. Um, they're expecting this to be what they call a turnkey facility, Basically, when it gets done, it will be ready to build their vehicles. So it's a thing that's happening. Um, now, here's here's the interesting thing that I learned about this. They had started uh, the demolition work, site prep, and construction in March as the first batch of production equipment has already been installed and tested to begin manufacturing. Um, Elon Musk, are you listening? Wow. Okay, back up for a moment. 
Are you telling me they've already got the roof over this thing and they're putting the equipment in? Apparently. Okay. If they've got the first batch of production equipment already installed and tested, somebody's been doing some what we call body and white work. Right. You know, get the systems up and running um, so that they can actually build the vehicle. Okay. Did they ever give a completion date for this? Uh, they did not. But, well, actually, I take that back. Um, they announced their factory last August. Mm-hmm. They expect the facility will employ 1,300 people working a three-shift schedule. That's what they said. I thought that was interesting. And, yeah, they got their $2 billion, which I thought was interesting. Also should note, a um, friend of mine in the industry is going to work for him. Okay. A fella I knew that worked for one of the driveway companies, companies that uh, rotate uh, – cars to journalists and he worked for nissan for years and now i read he's going to work for faraday future okay i have another question yeah we talk about doing all the prep the body and white work and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. how are they going to train these employees or are the only people they're going to hire are people that have already done it um, they'll train them the way they always get trained. You get put on the line, and they show you how to do it. Okay. Okay, now I have a more important question. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a friend now, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, at Faraday Futures? Uh, he's going to be working. I don't know when his start date is. Uh-huh. And, in fact, I don't even know what his title is going to be, but he's been working in PR forever. That is so much even better. So we'll see <laughs> if he's got a major title. And, no, I don't know if they'll give you an FF91. What? I know I where mean, you're going. Uh, what? Uh-huh. Purple, though. Uh-huh. By the or way. Or midnight Wow. Blue. By the no. way, <laughs> did she bring the last car back? Um, You know, about that? <laughs> about I mean, that? Why yeah. do you try to bust me out like that, Jack? Yeah. You know, it would be nice. Uh, what? Uh, the manufacturer would like the car back. Do, would they really? They really would. How many? Oh, and by the way. Yes. I really do not agree with what you're going to do after this show. <laughs> and that's a too expensive pickup just to give her the keys and say, okay, drive it for a while. As long as it comes back whole and drivable and undamaged, Sasha. I don't know about these deer you claim to hit. Look, look, all I'm saying is, you know, built for, t- or uh, yeah, built for tough. Uh-huh, yeah, not for damaged. Okay, by the way, I have yes. a question. Are you saying that she is a deer magnet? More I mean, like a deer whisperer, I think. <laughs> oh, wow. As in deer whisper about how the many ways they're going to try and hit my vehicle. Uh, yeah. yeah. Getting back to the uh, Faraday future. Okay. Yes. Uh, the FF91 that they're going to build in this plant is its first production vehicle and flagship model. And they claim, like everybody, it's going to have all the latest and greatest stuff. But check this out. They call it a full-size luxury crossover EV electric vehicle. Okay. Estimated 0 to 60 acceleration time. And I'm not making this up. Uh, I want to say is ludicrous speed 2.39 seconds. Two what? 2.39 seconds? seconds. Yes, sir. I For said ludicrous that. speed. There it Go! is. Go. There it is. Yes. Sorry, I couldn't resist. I know you. Couldn't. And he still hasn't seen the movie. No, and don't I plan know. to. Um, <laughs> this is going to have a range of almost 400 miles. This is a fully electric vehicle. Going that, being able to 378 miles, and that's the EPA test cycle. I mean, the vehicle is equipped with over 30 smart sensors, motion enabled 3D LiDAR that that enables valet parking, facial recognition, and seamless entry, amongst other advanced technology. Wait a minute. 
They've been testing this vehicle on roads in the United States already for two years. So they have a street legal ver- replica of this car. They do. So technically they could give me a car. You ain't getting that one. Oh, no, you're not. Trust me. You're not getting that Do we one. have a sticker price for this vehicle? No, not yet. And I'm sure you won't until it actually goes into production. But I, I, wanted, I wanted to share that. Um, here's another thing. Here's a question. Will General Motors put the squeeze on Tesla with the Bolt, the Chevy Bolt with a B? My guess is yes. Um, I call it brains versus brawn. Um, the Volt, which likes a little hatchback. We're talking Bolt with a B and not a V. Right. Okay. Uh, 36 grand, 240-mile driving range. That's electric, by the way. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The big question, GM is expecting to launch 20 new zero-emission vehicles by 2023 around the world. 20. Okay. 20. 20. 20. Wow. Um, how many of those 23 will be sold here? Good question. Uh, they're looking at China because, of course, China is the largest market right now, and they've clamped down. Uh, they've really made it a must-do. If you're going to sell in China, you need to be selling electric vehicles. That's where they're going. You know, the internal combustion engine in China, yeah, it, I, no. no. It's going to go by the wayside here pretty quick. Uh, eventually. Um, but GM's not playing. Um, now, by the same token... Mercedes is bringing to market 10 all-new, all-electric vehicles by 2022. Tesla's going to have to confront, just from GM and, and Mercedes, them two companies alone, 32 new all-electric vehicles in the next five years. And how many more auto producers are there going to be that they're also going to be competing against? Ford. For sure. Nissan, for sure. Right. Toyota, for sure. Mazda, for sure. Honda, for sure. Hyundai, Kia. Hyundai, Kia. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's in. Everybody's in. So the question is, um, will Tesla still be able to command uh, both the market share that they, that they, the excitement with the Model 3, uh, the Model Y that's supposedly coming, and whatever yeah. else they got planned. Next up, traffic and artificial intelligence. For better or worse. You are riding shotgun with Ken and the Roadworthy Drive crew. This is Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. such thing as a new small Chrysler. No junior editions bear the Chrysler name, but there is a new lower-priced Chrysler, the Newport. The Newport's a full-size Chrysler in looks, in room, in ride and performance, in everything but price. Newport has Chrysler's full-size unibody, rattle and rust resistant, the only single-unit construction in its price class. Newport has Chrysler's full-size torsion air suspension, smoother, quieter, easier handling, and a full-size Chrysler V8 engine that runs like a watch on regular gasoline. Newport has plenty of full-size room inside for a man to relax in. Drive it. Price it. It's now so easy to move up to Newport. 
the new full-size Chrysler in a new lower price range. This is Roadworthy Drive with me, Ken Chester, your host. And did you notice I shut that commercial off at the right time so we did not offend Sasha? I think too late. No. I wasn't even paying attention. No, she yet. was not paying attention. Exactly. Probably a good thing. Yeah, probably, because oh. she probably. had a problem with it. Wow. I'm sure, I'm sure, particularly the man, uh, a car man should drive part. Yeah. Oh, is this kind of like, you know, this flat tire needs a man? Kind of, yeah. Type thing? 1961 Chrysler Newport. Oh, yeah. Yeah. De- definitely. Yeah. Anyway, uh, folks, uh, right now there are thousands of people and hundreds of companies around the globe working on solutions concerning traffic and mobility. There's also a lot of hoopla concerning the use of artificial intelligence, known better as AI, to solve some of the more vexing problems about traffic in general and mobility in particular. The question is, though, is more technology the right answer? Yes, no, maybe. Okay. I, I love a man who's decisive. Yeah, there right? you go. Thanks. Um, you know, one of the things that I have to say, the more technology that is in the car the less human interaction uh, with driving itself. Okay, but here's the challenge. Okay. This technology they're talking about is not in the car. What are they talking about? Ah, so glad you could ask me that. Um, Walked right into that. You did. Wall Street Journal article, um, recent article, artificial intelligence may make traffic congestion a thing of the past. Now, I need to start with, we're not talking about Autonomous cars. Okay. We're not necessarily talking about electric cars. What are we talking about? We're talking about connected cars. Now, what does that mean? It means that it's a vehicle that has access to the Internet, both uh, downloading material and uploading information, meaning if if you currently own a vehicle that was built in the last five years, chances are your vehicle would be defined as a connected vehicle. The yes. producer has his hand up. I noticed that. Okay. Answer me. Riddle me this back. I, I thought you were giving me some kind of no. okay. emotional no. cue. Riddle Triggered. Me this, riddle, riddle me this, Batman. Yes. Yeah. Um, Go on, Robin. What do you got? If we're going to start doing the connected car thing, aren't we lacking in uh, cellular upgrades to be able to handle okay, wait, 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 wait. Spoiler alert. Come on. We're already doing the connected car thing. Yes, sir. I mean, what? But AKA... not on a grand scale. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Cue in OnStar. Hello, have we met somebody? Um, even since about 2011, vehicles have become more and more connected. Correct. Wi-Fi hotspots, OnStar, other uh, interactivity like that. In fact, most new cars start on your infotainment screen with some sort of notice that it says, hey... I send information to the manufacturer, and if you want to opt out, press here. Every time my wife's Nissan starts, that message is there, and you have to update it every 30 days if you want to opt out of your vehicle sharing certain generic information. We can't opt out one time and be done with it? No, not at this time. Now, here's my next question. Yes. Take a new Now, I'll use GM as an example because this is what I know. Mm. On their window sticker, it says, this vehicle has 4G Wi-Fi. Now, is that going to easily be upgraded when they make the jump to 5G or not? Okay. Well, you're mixing two things. Am I mixing two things? You are. Okay. Uh, When you talk about a Wi-Fi, yeah, so she says. But that's what she said. Anyway. They can't see my head shake. 
They or can't. Not. No, can they, they can't. This is radio, no. Ken. That's not how that works. Oh, and so for those of you at home, I'm shaking my head no, as in if you are locked into right now a car that says 4G compa- compatibility, mm-hmm. what you need to be asking is, can is it compatible? To can I up. upgrade to the 5G when it rolls out? Right now, the answer would most likely be yes. Most likely. Depends on the manufacturer. It depends on the version of 4G that they have deployed. It depends on your carrier because that's more of a carrier issue. Just because you have the ability to be a Wi-Fi hotspot, if your carrier is not equipped, uh, then that's an issue. It's a carrier and network issue, not necessarily a vehicle issue. Well, when the car itself is offering the 4G, like uh, the 4G hotspot, what carrier are they going through? That's a good idea. I don't have that answer. I can tell you this because I was at a Chevy dealer on Friday. What? You cannot get another truck, although you can buy one for me, though. Uh, No. I was looking for a truck for another reason. Anyway, (laughs) it said one month of data or one gigabyte was free. That takes about five minutes. Yeah, no. But my question is, I thought what you just said was that it was tying the 4G to my phone through my carrier. And uh-huh. why am I going to get a, a free gig and then I got to start paying for it? That's my question that and I do not then, have an answer. And when it actually is transmuting that data to the manufacturer, as it says when you start it on. Oh, you're not paying for that. How do we know? You're not paying for that. How do we know? You're not paying for that. How do we know? Because as part of your contract, you're not paying for that. Okay. Um, speaking as someone who's married to someone who has a connected vehicle, you're not paying for that. Okay. I'm, I, I can, I can, I, that I can answer. I'm not going to sit here and argue, but again, as fast as this technology is moving and you've got, <clears throat> excuse me, people like me who is in his mid fifties, um, you have, the, he hesitated. you have the elderly who are buying new vehicles. You have people from that point all the way down to the kids we know this technology better than anybody else. This is one more disclosure that they're going to have to make a sign when we go get the car. Do you remember last week we talked about California's privacy laws? Correct. This is one of those times. If we had a national privacy law, um, privacy law, uh, we would have an opportunity to opt out, or as my favorite part of the European law, the right to be forgotten, which is my most favorite of all. Um, to get back to the subject, if we can <laughs> during this time, I might even have to kick this into the next segment because we really didn't get a chance to talk to this. But this is talking about infrastructure within a city. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me give you an example. If you drive a car, you probably find yourself waiting at a red light while at an intersection sits empty. Artificial intelligence can make that and other frustrating inefficiencies of city traffic a thing of the past. That is what I'm going to talk about, and it looks like we're probably going to have to push that into the next segment. Isn't that just what fine. they're doing with stoplight technology now with the, with the groups and the intersections and all that stuff? I'm glad you asked me that question. Um, and you know what? When we come back from the break, that I'm going to answer that question because that's not nearly as sophisticated as you think. So when we come back, more on uh, artificial intelligence in the big city. This is Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy 
Drive with Ken Chester is America's premier automotive news and information talk show. Sasha, that entire last segment was me looking at a shiny thing. That's why we ran so long. A shiny thing? It was a bright, bright shiny thing. Yeah. Squirrel? That too. Ah. If you're just tuning in, we're on the downhill side of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Now, if you haven't checked out our website, the big question is, why not? Roadworthydrive.com is full of information about the Roadworthy Drive crew, some video clips of our behind-the-scenes antics, and so much more. Now, special thing. For those of you on Facebook, we have something special we've developed just for you. We've got this weekly show called Wheels of Non-Consent, and it's hosted by our very own Sasha of the Roadworthy Drive crew who um, mm. borrows. <laughs> key there, borrows. Please note that term. Yes. <laughs> Vehicles that I get each week to offer her, well, you tell them what you do, Sasha. Um, basically, I uh, you know, borrow the vehicle. It, we want it back. Right, right. And you have yet to come across a vehicle that I'm like, this is mine, dibs. Uh, you know, I thought that was the second vehicle. You yeah, pretty much was. I love the tech. It just wasn't big enough for everybody. Yeah, well, I'm afraid this next one, I, I was just remember, of, we need it back. I was a little tempted. We need was, it back. I was a little tempted. We need it back. And, I mean, by, and by the way, he needs it back before Thursday morning. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Grand, uh, Grand Theft Auto isn't a video game. It's a felony. Yeah. Go well, ahead. Anyway, so I take these vehicles and I basically I, I'm looking at the new technology that they're putting in vehicles. I'm looking at, um, you know, what's actually out there. What is your money buying? What can the average person do it? And how how um, let's see. I'm not sure how you would term it, but yeah, I just have fun. Yeah. Well, folks, that's wheels of non-consent each Wednesday just for you folks who like us on Facebook. Now, for those of you who are truly mobile, we got you covered, too. You can hear podcasts of past shows on Google Play and Blueberry Podcasting. Be sure to check us out. Now, we – something, sir? I was about to say, we're going to go back now to say we. Well, we're going to – we got some unfinished business. Yeah. Uh, because we got kind of excited about uh, technology relative to traffic. Wait, wait, the technology show, getting you excited about automotive technology? What? Yeah, it's a concept, Sasha. It's okay. It's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. We did not finish where we were. Now, Jack asked a question right before the break, and I, I told him, hold that thought. Mm -hmm. I was going to answer it. And he asked about traditional traffic lights that, you know, you've got some that are uh, sensitive to traffic density that may change based on Time of day as well as, you know, density at that time. Well, and they, at least in our town, in some of the intersections, they have put what I call diamonds in that you run over with the tires, and that helps to change the light. Yeah. Traditional traffic signals commonly change in a fixed schedule. Some are coordinated with those at the next intersection. More advanced traffic lights can even sense when a car is waiting at the light and adjust the timing. But for the most part, Jack... That's as futuristic as it gets. Okay, so what are we talking about for the future of traffic lights? We Well, it's way more than traffic lights. Okay. What we're talking about is the application, again, a lot of data, 
are transmitted so that artificial intelligence can actually adjust traffic flow, a variety of lights, traffic patterns, so many more variables. So they've got researchers working on this. They're working towards a future where smart traffic lights and Internet-connected cars can make getting around town smoother for both drivers and pedestrians, as well as giving other benefits. For example, uh, giving priority to public transit or emergency vehicles and, of course, reducing automotive uh, emissions. Now, we've talked about this. In order for artificial intelligence to do its magic, it needs data. Lots and lots and lots of data. And they've got a couple of examples around the country where they're doing a neighborhood test uh, in order to see how that could work. Uh, there's this one company called Rapid Flow Technologies uh, began as a Carnegie Mellon University research project. And they're using a system called SureTrack Traffic Management System. And they're using it in one neighborhood in Pittsburgh, the East Liberty neighborhood. What they're doing, this neighborhood straddles a major arterial route and is home to a Target store. And the neighborhood has long been an area of heavy congestion as commuters, shoppers, and local residents clog the roads. Uh, The big thing, why traffic lights don't work well there? Traffic patterns change so much over the course of the day that the traffic signals didn't really all work all that well at keeping traffic going. So what they're doing is that they are deployed... Uh, their technology at intersections that allow for coordination all at all the lights where it's been installed. For example, allowing a light to stay green longer to clear traffic at a particular intersection. They have communication between intersections. It lets intersection an intersection plan based on what it can see with its own sensors and, more importantly, Jack, what its neighbors, other intersections in e- a couple blocks in any direction, can see upstream with their sensors. So it is a very sophisticated coordination and traffic-sensitive situation based on density, time of day, um, congestion patterns, all this stuff, things that a typical traffic light can't address. Because right now what you're telling me is that most of the traffic lights don't talk to each other. No. You can time them um, in terms for time of day. You can time them for throughput. But really, they are limited in terms of changes in traffic pattern, either due to weather, construction, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have that kind of flexibility. Their surtrack system in this neighborhood reduced waiting times at traffic lights by as much as 42%. That only, not only gets people to their destinations quicker, but helps auto emissions because cars are spending less time on the roads. They're also working on a feature that would allow drivers to share their planned routes with the network. And that's when my red flag went up. I got two words, privacy concerns. Yep. Yep. I'm not sure I like that idea. But their point, so that information could be used to adjust the timing of lights and possibly cut waiting times even further. So the bigger question, how much information are you willing to share about your daily commute uh, in exchange for a faster commute, how much are you willing to give up? Okay, what am I giving up? You're giving up, for example, the ability to locate where you're at at any given time. If they know where your route is and, they, and they've got sensors and patterns. And, and who's going to use that information? Exactly. Yep. And right-, and, and right now, the way the law is written nationally, we don't know. I want the right to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. I also would like... 
if right. if you did not tune in last week, what they're talking about is a tough new privacy law that was passed in California. And you and I and I encourage you, if you care about privacy, you may want to go back to the website, check last week. I think that was hour one. Yep. During hour one. I mean hour one segment two. There you go, people. Of last week's show. And actually, Ken, they might want to just go onto Google Play and I keep the, forgetting that. The don't podcast. I? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. She's We're right. dragging him kicking and screaming into the new world. Kicking and screaming though, people. Um so that's just an example. Other examples go even further with actually turning the infrastructure into a computer itself. Yep. So we'll talk more about that. When we come back, we'll actually talk about more women needed in the automotive industry. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. You're tuned in to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. This is the final segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Now, we are in 2018. Mm-hmm. 2018. And we're at a point where we're still talking about the need for more women in the automotive industry. Now, we're not talking merely retail. We're talking in the manufacturing, parts, service, uh, engineering aspects of automotive manufacturing. And with all this advancement, with all this technology, we're still having to have this conversation. But I want to equip you with a few numbers that might bring this into a little clearer understanding. Uh, Let's start with licensing. There are roughly 222 million licensed drivers in the United States. Okay. Um, What percentage of those are women? 51. Wow, he's good. Really? Yeah. 112,124... I'm sorry, 112,124,699 or 51% of the drivers are female. There you go. Um, 2017, Sasha. Yes. How many new cars? Uh-huh. What percentage of new cars were actually purchased by women? I'm going to say it has to be over 60%. Jack? 75. Uh, 62%. Oh, okay. But let me get a little more real for you. Okay. Right. Okay. What percentage of vehicle buying decisions did women control? Now, see, I was going to ask, you know, whether the car, you know, was in their name. But as far as, like, the actual decision making. Households, families. Yeah. What percent? 80. I'm going to say 80%. 85. 85%. Wow. He's on a a roll. Look, here's what I know. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody nobody happy. happy. Okay, but let me throw this out at you. Okay. Uh, In the terms of spending, uh, in... 2009, for the last year, they had these numbers available um, of $5.9 trillion worth of disposable income to spend. Mm-hmm. How much do women control? Most of it. Give me a number. You said trillion? Trillion with a I T. would say probably 85, 90%. Sasha? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go right along with him about 85, 90. $4.3 trillion Ooh. out of 5.9. Ooh. That's about 90%. Hmm. Yeah, right? 
A little less than 90, so, but definitely over 80. Break that down. How is if women are the controlling, and I'm just saying this right. based on the statistics, if women are the controlling factor in purchasing, mm-hmm. if women are the controlling factor in um, selling, okay, because if most of the women or most of the new cars are going to a female consumer, so buying, buying, and then if women are controlled in control of the money, the money. How are we represented then in the engineering? You're not. You're oh. not. And that that is the problem. Um, it's ironic to note that for the last 100 years, for the most part, save for like design and styling and picking out colors, right. that the hardcore engineering and manufacturing has been mostly men's work, which means the way a car looks, the way the car functions, the way a car rides, what the car does. Uh, it's dependability, utilitarianism, design, and look, men controlled. Okay, hang on. Mm-hmm. Isn't part of our problem here the fact that we are not teaching the traits and we're not telling young girls that, hey, you have just as much right to be in the automotive industry as anybody else, and you can be an engineer, you can be a mechanic, you can do all of this other stuff, but yet... I'm in the construction business, okay? Right. I can't find good help. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I just can't. Mm-hmm. But again, we've got a shortage in all the, the construction trade industries right now because they're pushing everybody into college. Well, kind of. But as you just said earlier, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody, nobody happy. happy. Right. But with that kind of mentality, if you signed up for engineering, if you signed up for automotive you know, mechanic, mm-hmm. a lot of the women that I talked to... They might have worked on cars with dad, big brothers, in their own garage, or if, you know, dad had a garage or, or something like that. Or in the driveway. Right, or in the driveway. But they didn't feel safe to actually go to the classes. Okay, why don't they feel safe? You know, the elephant in the room, sexual harassment. I mean, it's a real, real big problem. And that's um, unfortunate. It is unfortunate. In the day and age where that is the rhyme of the time, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. But women trying to go to better themselves in a male-dominant field, it the harassment that these women had to endure in order to light the path for, you know, the now generation was, it's disgusting. But if you signed up for engineering classes, yes, sir. Here's an irony. As vehicles become more technical, mm-hmm. requires math skills, yes, programming skills, yeah, science. Yeah. And it's statistically that women are typically better at all those fields than men. Yes, we are. So wouldn't it re- stand a reason that as we evolve from a mechanical hands-on you know, brawn, you know, you need brawn versus mm-hmm. brain. You need to, you know, pry that loose or lift that up or jack, you know, move that around as opposed to programming and logic that it would be more friendlier to women than at any time before. Well, you would think that. But, Sasha, I want to ask you a question. Sure. Um, women are better designers. I think so. Okay. Women have better taste in colors than guys do. Well, okay, that could be a 50-50. You're you're heading stereotypical, sir. What's your question? Well, sorry. My question is this. Mm -hmm. Would a woman engineer who, as an example, they're mocking up a car, Mm -hmm. could they be 
I don't want to say controlling, assertive enough to tell a guy, look, we need to move this so They far. have to be. But it, are they? They have to be. And in today's day and age, it's not going to be for the wallflower. The women of today that are in automotive engineering, the women that are in the control room, the women that are in the... On the shop floor. Yes. These are not women that are going to just sit there and let a bad idea stick. And they're going to be more thorough. Yep. Methodical and accurate. And at the end of the day, honestly, bluntly, it really doesn't matter to a manufacturer. If you either you can do the job or you can't. And if you're the best candidate for the job, honestly, enlightened companies, and there are some out there, not everybody is in that stereotypical, but the enlightened companies are going to reach for the talent that they can get, be it male or female. The challenge is now to, ooh, music. Uh, The challenge is now (laughs) is to encourage people who want to pursue it that they can and they should. And I think time will tell as this continues to change. So, uh, food for thought right there. And we will revisit that. On that note, with that, we've come to the end of another hour. On behalf of Jack, Sasha, and myself, thanks for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.